You're serious, aren't you? You're telling us you killed those three young men on the subway? Mm-hmm. And why should we believe you? I got nothing left to lose. Nothing can hurt me anymore. <laughs> My life is nothing but a comedy. From the entire Channel 4 News team, I'm Veronica Corningstone. And I'm Ron Burgundy. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion, multiple Emmy nominee and one-time <laughs> Emmy award winner. And welcome to the Connect. A that's an it. That's how you do it, Jason. About, about fucking time. Sections <laughs> hosted by myself and three-time New York Times best-selling author Shay Serrano, in which we talk about movies. One picked by me, one picked by Shay, and the theme that connects them today. The theme is bad television appearances. San Diego's top news anchor kind of learns the definition of diversity, and a mentally ill man goes on a murder spree. It's 2004's Anchorman and 2019's Joker. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Let me ask you, before we even get into anything, whenever we're doing a, an episode of The Connect, I know that you watch both of the movies again, whatever the two Absolutely. movies are. Is there some sort of like podcast logic that you use when you're determining which of those two movies you have to watch first or you're going to watch first? I do it like this. I watch the one I picked first, then I watch yours. And then as I'm prepping, like putting together my outline, I'll watch certain scenes from both of them again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Which is basic. It depends on like how much uh, runtime I like lead up time I have. But usually I pick mine first and then I pick yours unless I haven't seen your movie in a long ass time. And then I will pick your like set it off. I hadn't seen it in a while. So I put yours on first. Whenever I, I do it, I always pick the one I'm least excited to watch first. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it was Joker, like 100 percent was not even close I just was not excited about watching it. Joker came out in 2019. Yes, Started Walking Phoenix, Zazie Beach, Robert De Niro, directed by Todd Phillips. Uh, I was actually out on book tour when this movie came out. I was in Los Angeles and I had some time to kill. And so I went and I watched it. Oh, on the last episode, we talked about Arclight. I went and watched this movie at Arclight. And I remember being nervous about it. I was nervous about going to the theater 
there was this idea floating around that somebody was going to shoot up the theater, not specifically Arclight, but like any theater in America, either because of this movie or perhaps in honor of the movie. I don't, I don't know what the, the reasoning behind it was, but that was, that was a conversation that was happening on the internet. And so that's what was happening in my head. And so I was nervous going to see it. And then I got to the theater and this was the first time this had happened. They were like wanding people down to make sure nobody was bringing any weapons in. It was like a whole thing. It was, it was, it was wild. And that was before the movie even started. And the movie itself is, I mean, have you ever been on one of those roller coasters that they throw up real quick in the parking lot of a grocery store? <laughs> yeah. And they, they um, always, they always, they always, they always, okay. <laughs> they always feel like, like 25% unsafe. And that's how this movie felt yeah. for me when I, when I went to go watch it, it felt like, I, like I was on a roller coaster and the lap bar was just a little too loose for me to be comfortable with everything. And there are a bunch of people in this movie that I like. Zazie Beetz is, is incredible. Brett Cullen. I like him. Shea Wiggum. Glenn Fleshler. Like, I like these, these like sort of character actors, but this movie belongs to three people. It belongs to the composer, Hildur Gudenitor, is I believe how you say her last name. Just an outstanding uh, soundtrack to this movie, just the, the, the whole sort of five. It belongs to Todd Phillips, the director, and it belongs to Joaquin Phoenix. So I'm going to go through these parts for, for each of them. With, with Todd Phillips, he had directed Road Trip and Old School and the Hangover trilogy and Project. Like, these are the movies that I knew him from. Uh, those are the types of movies that I had associated him with. And so when I saw that he was doing Joker, I was a little bit confused at first and like, I don't know that this is going to work out. And then that teaser trailer came out. Do you remember the teaser trailer where it's just Joaquin Phoenix and the camera's like slowly zooming in on him and we're getting flashes of him as the Joker, but he's in his normal clothes? Yes. That came out. It was like, hold on a second. We, we might be onto something here. And then the full trailer came out and it was like, well, I mean, I got to see this shit. Now, it was an incredible... First trailer, I was really pumped about it. Joaquin Phoenix is, of course, in it. And he has this sort of really strange career. I think if you look at it, bird's eye view, like he does a lot of stuff. Joker came out in 2019. There's a lot was, of different was, kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. This one came out and it was the only movie he was in in 2019. In 2018, he has five different credits on his IMDb page. He's always busy, but somehow it feels like he just sort of pops up out of nowhere whenever his thing is coming out. I like him in a... And a lot of his movies, you and I have spent a great deal of time talking about him in Gladiator, which was a truly just outstanding performance. Unbelievable character performance in, in Gladiator. Just maybe, like maybe maybe his best. Maybe his yeah. best. May I think I think I think for me, my favorite of his. He was great in in signs. I really like mm -hmm. that. I thought he was cool in the village. Did you watch the village? I did. Fucking village. I did watch the <laughs> fucking village. Man. Listen, I wouldn't, I wouldn't saw this at the theater too. And as I walked out of the theater, I'll never forget this. As I walked out, I'm texting my cousin. I always text him about whatever movies I just watched because I was in Houston, he was in San Antonio. And I'm like, dude, the village fucking sucks. I was really excited about it because I like him not sure. And then the next morning I woke up and I was like, wait a minute. I think I love the village. I need to like go back and see it again. And then I went and watched it again. And I was like, that movie fucking sucked. And then the next day I was like, I think I love this movie. I'm not certain. <laughs> I'm, I don't know. I have a very similar, uh, I mean, I saw that in the theater because I still hopped up off the Sixth Sense. I went in, yeah, I was yeah. like, yo, this shit is the monster. It's like a fairy tale. This is fucking awesome. And then the twist hits, and I won't spoil it here just in case anybody out here has not seen The Village. Go see it. See it. I was like, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait. Hold up. Wait. No. What? 
Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. If it's on TNT or TBS, I will honestly like stick around <laughs> for that reveal just to be like, what the f- did I did that happen? That's like it's like a movie that should have been like a like a Twilight Zone episode, but then they made it a whole movie. The amount of confidence you have to have in yourself to make that the twist is just outstanding. Anyway, I thought he was cool in that. He's like, he has like a small part in there, but I thought he did a great job. Uh, her was cool. The master was cool. Somebody right now who is listening is probably getting very mad that I haven't said walk the line yet. So let me say walk the line is like, sure, you can put that in there. He has these great moments in these movies. He's very much a movie star. He very much has this movie star-ness about him, about the way that he talks, about the way that he moves, the way that he sort of weaponizes his body and his eyes. Yeah. But there's also something that's a little bit unsettling about him. And I don't quite know what it is. It's a real life thing too. Like if you watch any interviews he does on any late night shows. Yeah, he's very awkward. Just something underneath yeah. the surface is is like unsettling. And again, I don't know what it is, but I know that his most evocative, most enthralling performances lean into that part of him. And that's where we are with the Joker. Did you did you like the Joker? Like that's like a, an easy question and a hard question. Did you like this movie? Well, he, there's been a lot of conversation in recent years about can you separate an artist from their art, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and I think with mm-hmm. the Joker, it's a similar conversation where can you separate the narrative around this movie and what it represents and what kind of movie it is in, in the era that it came out from the content of the movie? As a comic book fan, He's a fan of Batman and the Joker. I thought this was a, a really interesting take on the character. I don't think it in any way connects to the larger Batman universe, at least as depicted in any of the movies. I think you'd have to do significant retconning to, to figure that part of it out. So in that sense, it was really interesting in how, you know, Todd Phillips was like, I'm going to do this character study of a well-known villain in pop culture and I'm going to do it in such a way that it actually doesn't connect to any of the existing strands of storytelling. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it in it in its own particular way. In that sense, I thought it was it was really interesting. I thought Joaquin's performance was unbelievably brave and yes, unsettling. I think that he he has a a really kind of he's able to project the kind of vulnerability that people usually try to hide in real life. You know, like yeah, that's yeah, what I yeah. loved about Gladiator. Yeah. He was this guy who was just wanted to be loved and respected by his dad. And that's usually a thing that people try to cover up, but that was just right on the surface for him, even though he thought he was hiding it. And the Joker is the same thing. He's just like all of his delusions and all of his pain are right on the top, you know, right on his face, even though he maybe doesn't think that he's projecting that stuff. So incredible performance by him. I found the conversation around the movie both important and also just like so exhausting that we live in a world where it's like we have to think about what does it mean to have another one of these movies? What does it mean that a a particular type of person who believes in a particular type of ideology might see this movie and want to shoot up a theater? Mm -hmm. How do we process going to see this movie in, in terms of being a responsible thinking human being in 2019, 2020. Like all of that stuff was at at once necessary and at the same time just really wearying. So I liked the movie. (laughs) I I think that 
I agree with all the criticisms of it, specifically when people criticize it um, from the perspective of the larger cultural sphere. But like in a bottle, I think it's an interesting character study of, of a character. I'm not the biggest Todd Phillips fan. And I'm not the biggest fan of like people that would act like this character. But it is it, to me, I kind of like the movie. I kept coming back to this question because I, as I was watching it, I was watching it in the living room of my house and one of my kids walked through and I like paused it when they come through because I'm, I'm going to say it's because I don't want them to see what's on the screen, but really it's because yeah. I don't want them to like mess up the movie experience for, right, right. for me. So I pause it as the kids come walking through. This is my youngest son. And he asks what I'm watching and I tell him Joker and he's like, oh, is it, do you like this movie? You know, that's the thing like a little kid will ask you all the time or a seven going on eight year old will ask you what is it good do you like it and i didn't know how to answer it and i gave him like a version of the answer that you did there i was like i I don't know if i like this movie or not i'm not certain how to answer that question it definitely it definitely made me feel things it made me feel nervous it made me feel scared it made me feel a little empathetic maybe and i definitely walked out of the theater feeling like man joaquin phoenix put on a motherfucking show in this movie i love this performance I love the spectacle of it. I really love the way the soundtrack begins to feel like it's its own character in the movie. I like the way everything starts to feel as the movie goes along more and more sort of infected. And so I think that means I liked it because I like when a movie can make you, you feel things. But also, it's not a movie that I'm ever going to be excited about rewatching. It's a movie I will 100% be like, oh, you haven't seen Joker? You should check, check Joker out but I don't want to watch it with you when you watch it. You know what I'm saying? It's the kind of movie that you have to do some amount of homework about, which is something that I think we're not used to with a comic book movie. You know, like Avengers Endgame comes out and maybe you've seen all the, the movies that came before it and, then, and you're, you're excited to see it or maybe you missed one. So in that sense, you're like doing some research, but you don't have to like read stuff. With the Joker... It really felt important to read what people, what cultural critics, what like, you know, film critics had to think about what this movie meant and who it seemed to be speaking to, you know, particularly in a time when it's like now it's like you feel like the things that can inspire people to do bad things are so varied and seem so wild on their face that it, if you were to tell me, yeah, somebody might see the Joker and of. Uh, feel like they want to shoot up a theater. That's believable. So I think that it, in that sense, it felt like a heavy lift. Like you really had to know what you were, what the conversation was when you went to go see this movie. And I felt the same way. It was like, I did, when this came out, I saw it, you know, I had to do a, a kind of like ringer PhD style history video about the Joker. You can see that on the ringers YouTube page. And to prepare for it, I just I read everything that people wrote about this movie. I read every interview with Todd Phillips when, you know, when he was talking about this movie. I read about Joaquin's preparation, all this kind of stuff. And it felt really important to do that in a way that is just uncommon for a movie about a comic book character. Right. A thing that you said that I thought was interesting is that uh, the, the sort of discourse around this movie was exhausting. I thought that that was like one of the best parts of the movie. I thought it was so much fun to like hear smart people talk about it, to read smart people writing about it. I, I, the same thing ended up happening when I rewatched it for this. I hadn't seen it uh, in, a, in a good little while, several months. Um, 
But I, when I started rewatching it, I was like, oh, I want to like read this piece that was in the Atlantic, or I want to like see what this person said about it, or listen to what this person said about it. It's like it, it definitely puts a, a set of feelings in my chest, and those feelings usually aren't like that enjoyable. I don't know. I don't want to have this movie be like a part of my life, but that doesn't mean I don't appreciate the level of skill that it very clearly contains. All that being said, all that being said, Jason, ask me if I'm going to see Joker 2 when it comes out. Are you going to see Joker 2 when Fuck it comes yes. out? Fuck yes. I'll be there I, I, I'll I'll immediately. 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 This is going from this movie to Anchorman was like the biggest amount of whiplash I've had so far in any of the episodes that we, where we have recorded any of the things. But I knew that going in. I'm like, okay, let me watch Joker and let me get, let me f- feel what I need to feel. And then let me immediately go to Anchorman. Tell me a little bit about, about Anchorman here. Your pick. Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy came out in 2004, directed by Adam McKay, written by Adam McKay and Will Ferrell. Of course, they began their uh, creative partnership at Saturday Night Live. Stars Will Ferrell, Steve Carell, Christina Applegate, many, many others uh, with some really fun um, cameos by uh, Judd Apatow, Seth Rogen, the narrator, uh, Bill Curtis, Luke Wilson, Tim Robbins, many, many more. This movie, I saw it in the theater when it came out, and it's one of those movies where it seemed like everybody was quoting it for like two or three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, this this was a movie that probably made Will Ferrell like a like a major star. Like, of course, SNL. He was he was huge on SNL. Um, then this came out, and then he got Ricky Bobby off that Step Brothers. But it felt like this was a real step up. And I remember watching it and being knocked out by the way Ferrell and McKay juxtaposed like insane violence and weirdo behavior with <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. in the context of like workplaces. There's a sketch called Evil Boss on SNL in which Will Ferrell at one point uh, murders a, a colleague with a trident, right? Yeah. And he's stabbing him. The colleague is played by Chris Parnell. And he's like re- stabbing him, stabbing, stabbing him and like really getting his hips into it. And then he jams the trident down one last time, leaves it in him and then goes back to, he's doing a job interview goes back to do the job interview and he does this little like dance this little like snaps his fingers and does this little dance it's that kind of like weirdo humor that examines kind of like male macho violent posturing Mm -hmm. that i found to be the funniest stuff for anchorman like the uh you know sex panther the sex panther scene the uh street fight scene with the other uh with the rest of the news anchors uh ron burgundy uh doing curls shirtless in his office like that kind of stuff is the stuff that really stuck with me and had me laughing the other thing i remember is novelty t-shirts were huge in the aughts <laughs> you remember that yeah you guys remember that yeah, yeah, they yeah. They were I fucking huge. I remember that. And it felt like I could not go a week without seeing someone with an I Love Lamp shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that actually made me hate the movie after a while because when you see like a bunch of like frat dudes wearing I Love Lamp shirts, it's like, yeah. okay. But it, this was just a movie that absolutely penetrated. It felt like penetrated the pop culture and became, you know, reached that level of comedy where 
the references to it were a sh- were a kind of like social shorthand. Like if you yeah. reference that in a conversation, now all of a sudden people are like, oh, I have something in common with this person. We might mm-hmm. be friends because yeah, they yeah, yeah. pulled some v- random line out of Anchorman and now uh, we're going to talk about it. People are still using lines from this movie. I, I still I, are doing I would it. probably say every day on Twitter... I see somebody do the I'm kind of a big deal thing. Like still, still 16 years later, people are still doing that shit. It's fucking nuts. This, this this did that in like the very similar way that like a Quentin Tarantino movie would do that where it shows up and like all of a sudden people, why, why are you talking so fast? Why are you talking like that? You don't normally do that. Stop doing that. In real life, people are doing that shit. I like when that happens. Yeah, th- so this one came out in the summer of that year. You said it was 2004? 2004, yeah. 2004, I just graduated college. I just moved to Houston. I was working like this construction job at the time. So I was feeling especially manly. Laramie and I went to go see this at the theater in Houston. This theater called Edwards Greenway Plaza, which is where we saw so many movies. This is great little, I mean, it's not a little, but it's this great theater right off of Highway 59 in Houston. That was like our theater. And we went and saw this and I fucking loved it. I, when I, it came. I was I was laughing so hard at this. This was such a fun period of of time in my life. I had finally graduated college. I was like the first one in the family to do that. I had this this job that was paying me $800 every two weeks. I thought I was fucking super rich. Damn, dude. I had an apartment like that I was paying Damn, for myself. Dude. No kids. It was great. I, all, all of this stuff was going on <laughs> made even better by the by the fact that like it seemed like every two months, every month, this new comedy would show up over a two-year stretch. Anchorman, Talladega Nights, Accepted, Old School, Super Bad, I think was in there, Wedding Crashers, The Hangover, Dodgeball, The Longest Yard, 40-Year-Old Virgin. up, 40-Year-Old Virgin. Yep, it just went on and on and on. It was so much fucking fun. It was just fun. I had such a great time at the theater at these movies. Watching these movies back-to-back, I think you could say, and this is a fair of like any comedy that is over 10 years old. There are certain jokes that you feel like, mm, I'm not sure that that really hit. But then when you interrogate them, you know, there's some like jokes about, uh, there's some like gay jokes in Anchorman. And then there are, you know, there's like liberal dropping of uh, retard. Mm-hmm. And specifically the first one, it's like one of those jokes where watching the movie and really looking at it, it feels like they're not, what they're doing is making fun of a character, a person who would make this joke. I had the similar feeling while watching Joker. It's like, I watch that and I wonder, do people know that that is the criticism? That's a concern I have when I watch movies now. And specifically, I think it's just Joker put me in that mind frame. It's like, I watch Joker and I'm like, do people realize that he's not the hero? And then you watch the uh, Anchorman Legend of Ron Burgundy and he's just like, uh, he drops a gay joke or, or Veronica Corningstone drops a gay joke and you're like, do people realize that the movie is saying these people are wrong for doing that, not that this is funny? You know what I mean? That's like the the way that they do basically all of the Michael Scott humor in the office. Mm-hmm. And it's like the joke isn't what he's saying. The joke is everybody responding to how offensive the yes. thing is that he's saying. Yeah, you know what they what they did in in... A lot of these movies that I always looked forward to, it was like a, a recurring bit, is they would like zero in on one moment and then throw like five jokes in a row at that one thing. Like in yeah. the, like in Anchorman, 
I totally forgot that this part happened, but when when Paul Rudd puts on the Sex Panther cologne, yeah. And everybody, everybody always made a big deal about like, you know, 60% of the time it works all the time. And like that was like the joke that lived. But right yeah. after that, he goes out there and everybody, they all take turns like saying what it smells like. And it just gets more and more ridiculous each time. It smells and, like Bigfoot's dick. That's the one that when I was in the theater, <laughs> I just fucking lost it. I said, this is whatever this is. I love this. Whoever, whoever made these movies, I'm going to go watch every single one of these. I promise. The other thing about the, about all of these movies from this era, whether it's Anchorman, Ricky Bobby, 40-year-old version, etc., it's like the bloopers are almost as fun as the movie, the outtakes. Oh, so much fun. Because that's that's when I would I, I would watch these. I still watch these all the time. Like there's I I'd say I go back to these every few months. And I'm just like, man, that's if you can make a career out of making money doing that. That's as good as it gets. <laughs> just goofing <laughs> off, like yeah. saying wild shit into a camera until you get the right one they and do making it. people crack up. I love it. They do it at the end of this movie during the credits. Yes. They show like all of the things and it's just so funny to watch Veronica and Ron throwing lines at each other while they're filming and they keep like <laughs> laughing during. It's just, it's great. It makes me feel good. Okay, let me ask you this question. Let me yes, ask you yes. this question. I like to ask this one. Uh, each week. Let's do the three-minute stretch thing, Jason. Yeah. You have somebody who has never seen any Ron Burgundy-type movie. They don't know who Will Ferrell is. They don't know about any of the anything surrounding this. They don't have any interest in watching it. You get a three-minute stretch of this movie to play for them, to convince them to watch this movie. What's that three-minute stretch you're doing for Anchorman to get somebody to watch Anchorman? Wow. I think this is going to be a little off-kilter pick because, um, you know, like uh, Will Ferrell's in nearly every minute of this movie, but I'm going to pick a, a section that he's not the center of. When really? Veronica Corningstone, played by Christina Applegate, gets her first anchor spot, and the rest <laughs> of the news team, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, Champ <laughs> and Brian Fontana, are trying to throw her off her yeah, ship, yeah. <laughs> and they're just making faces, and they're like silently yelling just outside of the range of the camera, like yeah. at her, just like move, you know, moving their hands and like acting like they're trying to shock her. <laughs> and then finally, the climax of this is, is Brian Fontana. He's got his pants down with just like tidy whiteies. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, he's like, he's like gyrating it like, and like doing like air thrust with this face. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even describe the face. It looks, the face is like when you would watch like a nature show and they'd show like a lion watching a gazelle move across the Serengeti yeah, and it yeah, just yeah, like yeah. had that intense <laughs> look in its eye. And he's making that face while Champ is like, like, Making these hand gestures like he's displaying yeah. Brian Fontana's body, <laughs> like he's like, like, do you like what you see? You know. And I, when I saw that in the theater, and still to this day, I laughed so hard, I fucking like my stomach hurt. I laughed so hard at that. <laughs> and I think that the contrast of like the goofiness of that with uh, Veronica being absolutely unflappable in the face of this yeah. is to me, a great three-minute stretch to sell someone on the movie. They know Will Ferrell's in it. Will Ferrell's funny. Everybody knows that. But here's yeah. the thing you may not know about that's also very funny. What about you? 
that's a surprising pick. I'm I'm a little bit surprised, but I'll take it. I'll take it. With Joker, you know what I would go with? Conveniently enough, mm-hmm. the opening scene of this movie is right at about three minutes long. I'm talking about the part that goes from him sitting in the chair while he's putting his makeup on and he starts to sort of stretch his mouth out into a smile with his finger, with his fingers as he like cries a tear. We go from that into him in front of the store, spinning the sign, just trying to sort of make the best of his day. And then he gets knocked down and the sign gets stolen and he chases after the kids and they they jump him in the alley. And then as he's laying there, sort of all beat up, that ominous music, that score is like we get introduced to it really here. It's growing and growing and growing. And the, ca- the camera's sort of panning backward, showing how lonely this guy is. And then we get the big like, boom, like Joker up on the screen. That section there, is about three minutes long. I think within that, they establish a, a couple of things. Number one, they established that there's something fundamentally wrong with this with this guy. Like, if, I didn't notice this when I watched this in the theater, but I'm re-watching it now like specifically for this. So I'm like trying to notice new things. And there's a part where when they show him on the floor, all beat up, he like reaches one last time for the sign and he can't quite get it and he, and he brings his hand back and then he's laying there and then he like puts his hand into his coat and he presses a button that makes the water come out of the flower. And I never, I never noticed that. And then I'm like watching all the interviews that I can find or whatever. And they do this, this like scene breakdown with Todd Phillips. And he talks specifically about that part. He's reaching for the sign as like one last chance to try to fix things. And then he like presses the button and the water comes out and is like, Again, there's something wrong with this person. He's finding comedy in whatever little little thing he can. But they establish that. There's, they establish there's something fundamentally wrong with this person. They establish that the world is not going to have any mercy on him. Yeah. They establish that the mood of the movie is going to be somewhere between uncomfortable and super fucking uncomfortable. Like, yeah. that's where we're going to live. When I watched this with Laramie, we, we made it to just this part. And she was like, I don't know if I want to watch the rest of this. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But like, I want to, if I'm going to, if I have to show somebody a thing, a part of the movie, I want them to see just that part. I think that that sets up everything really, really, really well here. Jason, do you have a, you know, it's bullshit? Oh, I do. Oh, give us the horn, Steve. You know what's bullshit? Murray Franklin has... Arthur Fleck on his show. Arthur comes out dressed as a clown with face painted up really ghoulishly as a clown, does a little dance, comes out and is super weird. And then he admits to murder and his security is nowhere to be found. Nowhere. Nowhere. Murray, anybody who works in this building, (laughs) the television network that runs this building, the fact that Murray Franklin has to say, call the police. And that's like two minutes after Fleck has like admitted he's to out a there triple for several homicide. minutes. Yeah. He's out there for a Nobody while. showed up. Nobody. No security <laughs> guards. No nothing. I'm sorry, but this is a this is a major failure of this network to just, protect <laughs> its hosts. Big just, time. Like, where is anyone? All you where have are is, they? is Mark Maron off on the side. Like, I fucking knew this was going to happen. That's all. Well, Mark Maron, Mark Maron, get out there. That's your fucking a meal ticket, bro. Get out there <laughs> and get your arms around this and drag this guy off the stage. Something. What somebody, are you doing? Somebody do something. That's a very solid. That's it. How, can, you, how can this be allowed <laughs> to happen? I don't get it. 
If he had been like, yeah, and then I, I did the triple murder, and guess what? And then he shoots Murray? Okay, I get it. It happened too fast. Nobody was ready for it. But this guy was was off from jump. And then a minute into being super off, he then admits to murder. And then it's two more minutes before he kills Murray. And nobody shows up. Nobody does anything. Nobody steps in. And it's just... and and. Absolute institutional failure. Everybody should be fired. That's <laughs> it's bullshit. An institutional failure is this week's, you know it's bullshit. <laughs> Before we get into the categories, I'm going to ask yes. Steve. Steve. Yes, sir. I have at this point made it very clear that the Joker movie makes me uncomfortable. Yes. Talking about it makes me uncomfortable. So I need a bit of a palate cleanse each time we get like real far into the Joker conversation. So can you do this for me? There's a part at the end of the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness, and Will Smith's character, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Chris Gardner gets the job and he walks out of the building and we have this very beautiful music playing and he's like, this little part of life is happiness or whatever the line is. Can you play that for me right here so we can like reset things? And I'm gonna ask for it probably like two or three more times sure. throughout this podcast, thank you. This part of my life, this, little part is called happiness. That's great. I feel better. I honestly feel better. This. Let's get to our categories. Before we get to our first category, let's take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold slurpy drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven and your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small slurpy drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that I'm going to be going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, how about going to visit a 7-Eleven valid through 1725? 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax, participating U.S. stores. See app for full terms. All rights reserved. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hiring can be challenging, but ZipRecruiter makes it fast and easy. One CEO, Ali, needed to hire for a multifaceted role at his wallpaper company. Walls need love. 
He was looking for someone who was the right fit for his team and culture, but his search was slow going. So he turned to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology identifies the right people for your job and actively invites them to apply, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerConnect. That's how Ali found Savannah Ray. Ali said Savannah's skills and experience were a great match for the role. Plus, she applied within a few days after he posted the job. Through ZipRecruiter, Ali has hired everyone from his head of marketing to his sales director to his lead graphic designer. But Ali is not the only employer who loves ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See for yourself how ZipRecruiter makes hiring fast and easy. Try it now for free. That's right, free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerConnect. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash R-I-N-G-E-R-C-O-N-N-E-C-T. ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerConnect. And we're back. First category. Cafeteria table, baby. Let's go. This week, this week, we're populating our cafeteria table with characters from bad television appearance movies. <laughs> Somebody was in a movie and a, they were on TV and a bad thing happened to them. There are six seats available at this table. Ron from Anchorman gets one of the seats. Here's my question. Does the Joker from Joker get one of the seats or does Murray get one of the seats? I like Joker. I th- let's get Joker there. Uh, let's definitely pat him down and let's have security like waiting. <laughs> okay. And let's so give have- him plastic cutlery. And but that's fine. Yeah, we can have him there. So Ron from Anchorman gets one of the seats. Ron Burgundy, the Joker from Joker, gets one of the seats. That means there are four seats left. You get to pick two. I get to pick two. Give me your first pick. Who gets your first seat here, Jason, at the bad television appearance cafeteria table? Oh, wow. Okay, I'm gonna go with. They're going to share a seat because they did this together. (laughs) You're always doing this. George and Frank from the sci-fi classic, They Live, the climax of the movie, right? So this is a movie in which um, two kind of, uh, a guy on the edge of society, a loner, an outcast, discovers that there is a vast conspiracy by aliens to take over the earth by placing alien leaders that are disguised as human beings in positions of power and influence. And at the towards the climax of the movie, he and his buddy, they storm the television station and they try to show people what is happening, that aliens are actually in control of the world. And I would call this a bad television uh, appearance because it's like if you're just at home you don't know there's no way for you to know for real that the aliens are in control of stuff and it'd just be shocking and it would kind of ruin your news watching experience <laughs> not to mention that like they're throwing grenades and shooting up the, the news studio John and Frank from They Live nobody in my life has mentioned the movie They Live to me more than you have I feel like it's you such, figure it's so good you figure out a way to get it in here. And still, I'm I'm a little surprised that that's one of the picks that you went with. I'm going to preemptively determine that that's going to be this week's uh, bad pick of the week. But maybe you'll do worse on the next one. I do not know. But so far, here's who we have. We have Joker from Joker, Ron Burgundy from Anchorman, and John and Frank from They Live. Terrible. Let me give you my first my <laughs> fir- <laughs> Let me give you my first one. Well, much better pick. Much better. I got to have my guy in here. I need to have him. I need to have Jackson Maine 
In A Star Is Born. Oh, wow. It's a great one. Allie wins the Damn. Grammy for Best New Artist. She goes up on stage with Jackson Maine. She tries to. He's drunk and high, and he looks like he is just on death's door, stumbles his way up the stairs, falls down. She goes on without him. She's in the middle of giving this beautiful acceptance speech, and here he comes, picking himself back up and sort of like just uh, dragging himself out there. He joins her. He like make he like points at the screen. He's just totally incoherent. And then in front of her, in front of millions of people, he just pees on himself. Is ruining so many things for so many people. It's bad and embarrassing and very sucky. Yes, but if you're him, the worst part of this is that he has just ruined this once in a lifetime moment for the woman that he loves. I don't I don't know that we can have like a much worse TV appearance than that. So I need to give my seat, my first seat. Jackson Maine from A Star Is Born. This is a great one. I, I mean, like, I, I would like to shit on it, but it's a good pick. <laughs> I'm glad that you cannot. Do you have uh, another pick? Who's your next one? Who I'm going to play. I'm gonna, let me play a, quickly just a clip that you okay. can hear. Hopefully, you can hear, and then Steve can can fix it up. Here, here is this character that we're about to have sit at the table. You know, the guy in the booth who's talking to you on a tiny little earphone, he's afraid the guy's at network gonna tell him he's through if he lets the guy keep talking like I'm talking to you. Because the corporation's got the networks and they get to say who gets to talk about the country and who's crazy today. I would cut to a commercial if you still want this job because you may not be back tomorrow with this corporate mob. That is <laughs> Senator J. Billington Bullworth from the movie Bullworth Starring Warren Beatty, Holly Berry, Oliver Platt. So Senator Bullworth goes to South Central and he meets black people and he realizes that racism exists. Then mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he goes on a television appearance with a beanie and sunglasses and a hoodie and drinks from a flask and raps. I, this movie, I don't know that it really translates to today. It <laughs> but I will tell you that this is a bad television appearance by Senator J. Billington Bullworth. It's a bad one. This is a much better pick. Now we're <laughs> now we're talking. Now we're in my wheelhouse right here. This one, this one, much like you, I was hoping to like continue to make fun of your pick, but I cannot argue <laughs> with Senator Bullworth from Bullworth. I was not expecting this, but that's very strong. Okay, we have the Joker and Joker, Ron Burgundy and Anchorman. John and Frank and they live. Jackson Maine and the Star is Born. That's a great Senator one. Senator Bullworth yeah. from Bullworth. Before I give you my last one, let me give you some. Let me give you some that I that I stepped over to get to this last pick. Okay. Joe Dirt in the movie Joe Dirt. Oh, that's which, good. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's solid. I don't know what it is about this particular performance, but this was like the one time that I really liked David Spade. I thought he was very sweet and endearing, <laughs> and I just liked I just liked this movie. <laughs> he shows up on MTV with Carson Daly and yeah. they get some jokes off at his expense and you kind of just feel bad. And I'm like, okay, okay. Let me at least mention Joe's name in here. He can't have a seat at the table. I'm not going to take him to Dairy Queen and pay for some ice cream uh, like, like they do in the movie. But uh, let me mention him here. Let me also mention on a grander scale, oh. Truman. Truman from the Truman Show. Wow. Now- They ruin his whole life, I think. His whole life. His whole but life. But that is kind of, here's here's okay, my pushback on that. Argue, argue against it, please. That is the show. It's not like you came in and you did, like a bad television uh, appearance is when you come on and the show 
there's a certain brand to whatever the show is and you come in and you do something completely off of that complete something completely different that is jarring the truman show was it was absolutely terrible for Truman's life, like his Ter- personal terrible. life. That's that's where I, that's where I'm arguing from. But it was great. It was, it was great, great TV. TV. It was great TV. <laughs> it was great TV, but not for Truman. It was a, not for him. For Truman at all. He would never say that that was a good TV appearance. He'd be like, "This fucking was awful, awful." They saw every single part of my life for so many years. All of the worst moments. It's just out there forever. So. I didn't pick him, though, because I knew that you were going to argue back against that. I did give brief consideration to Steve Carell's character, Evan Baxter, in Mm. Bruce Almighty. Yeah, Bruce Almighty. Where uh, Jim Carrey, like, messes with the teleprompter. Same as what we saw in Ron Burgundy. But I couldn't give give it to him because Ron Burgundy's was, uh, to me, funnier. And just I just liked it more. So he was out. My last one that I really, like, went back and forth between, there's a character named Jennifer in the movie Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Are you a big Nightmare dream on Elm Street fan? Warriors, don't wanna dream no more. <laughs> with all dream warriors. And maybe tonight, maybe tonight you'll be gone. Yo, I Please. fucking love Dream Warriors, dude. Steve, put some applause in there. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. I'll be, I'll be fucking straight up. After the first one, Dream Warriors is kind of my favorite. Dream Warriors is my favorite one, no question about it. I absolutely love Dream Warriors. No question about it. But with Jennifer, with Jennifer, she's trying to stay awake. She's trying to watch TV to stay awake. She knows Freddy's out there. She falls asleep. She wakes up. She's watching a television like interview show, much like Murray and Joker. Uh, The guy transforms into Freddy Krueger while he's interviewing her. He's interviewing Zsa Gabor walks up to the TV to see what's going on because it's all static now. And then the fucking arms come out. It's Freddy Krueger as a TV. He picks her up and then he says a, a wonderful line here. Steve, can you play the line? <laughs> and then he slams her head into the TV. <laughs> just jams it right on in yeah. there. Just really gets it in there. And that's a, I don't know, that to me seemed like a bad television appearance. Kind of, but I wanted to make sure we talked about it. I'm so excited that you sang us the song. So excited. <laughs> I had I had a couple that I that I also declined to pick. Please, I tell was me. gonna pick. I mean, this is the one that I think a, a lot of people will probably come at us with. Howard Beale from Network, the yeah, classic yeah, yeah. scene, 1976. You know, I'm mad as hell. I'm not gonna take it anymore. Yeah. You know, that's kind of like the king daddy of bad TV appearances and really became like a catchphrase, I guess, for the for the 70s. And the other one that I thought about doing just to fuck with you (laughs) was it's not technic. It didn't air on actual TV. Right. But in Michael Clayton. When Arthur oh. Edens has his freak out, <laughs> Arthur Edens, who loves okay. bread, he has a favorite bread place. The fucking when bread he guy is, is de- back. He's in, the, he's in his, he's in his deposition, right? Uh, and they're talking about, you know, the the case, the ongoing oh, uh, litigation with yeah. the North, and and he's starts stripping down and professing his love for one of the people involved in the case, and he eventually just is totally nude and running around the deposition room. And I think that's as bad as it gets. Now, did it go live to television? No, but it was recorded on video. 
and the video was really damaging. And I thought about doing it, but then I thought, no, Shay's Shay's gonna go crazy with this one. He's already <laughs> hates me for the bread one. He's not gonna let it happen. I'm never gonna hear the end of it if I pick that. So I didn't pick him, but I thought about it. I just I want to make sure it's clear for the record here. <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, is a better movie than Michael Clayton. That's wrong. Better That's movie. False. That's f- better theme song for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. that's false. But both very good movies that I love. Let me let me recap here. Joker from Joker. Ron Burgundy and Anchorman. John and Frank and They Live, which is just, I'm still, uh, that's the one I'm going to be mad at for a while. Jackson Maine in A Star is Born. That's incredible stuff. Senator Bullworth and Bullworth. This is my last one. And I just listening to you talk about The Truman Show, I feel like you're going to argue back against this one. But I think, I think that this is a very solid pick. Okay. This person was on TV. Okay. And they died on the air. Not only on the air uh, when this like thing is happening, but also in front of his brother and his teammates. Uh, I, 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 I want to have a seat. I want to give a seat to Antoine and the sixth man famed guard from the university of Washington is in the middle of a game playing, gets the pass from his brother, goes up, dunks it as the announcers are in the middle of talking about this future NBA prospect. He has a heart attack and he dies and he falls to the floor all on television. I think we have to have Antoine in here. I think we should take John and Frank's seat from them and give Antoine two seats just in case he wants to stretch his legs. Now, hold on a second. Does Antoine oh, played uh, with uh, Plume and Charm by Kadeem Hardison. Does Antoine, are we going back in time and getting Antoine before he dies? And if that's the case, are we allowed to warn him that he's got a heart issue and he should be careful while playing? No. Oh, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. Let's make nice. We're going to make nice here. Because you have two characters on your John and Frank. We're going to give them both a seat because we're going to take the ghost version of the six oh, man. Oh, good. That's he can just sort it. of float around above the table. <laughs> he can just do his ghost, ghostly thing. Yeah, like nearly headless Nick from Harry Potter. I love it. Yeah, yeah. That's what, it, that's what he's doing. I think he's the leader of the table, just sort of the ghost of the table that everybody defers to. I think that's what we do. I think that's what we do. Steve. Can you give me one line from each of the characters from our cafeteria table this week? Our bad television appearance cafeteria table. One line from the Joker and Joker. All I have are negative thoughts. Gross. One line from Ron Burgundy and Anchorman. (laughs) It's so damn hot. Milk was a bad choice. Jackson Maine in A Star is Born. (laughs) I started out singing with... This beautiful man, and I'll sing with him for life. Right, baby? Yeah. You barely understand that guy. Senator Bullworth from Bullworth. Let's let's hear the whole rap. (laughs) Yeah, we got it. (laughs) (laughs) Big money. Really real. The name of our game is Let's Make a Deal. Now people got the problems, the haves and the have not, but the ones that make me listen pay for 30 second spots. Great. Uh, a one line from Antoine in The Sixth Man. Yeah, hey, we was kids. Don't mess with a dead name. Thank you. And then our bad pick of the week, Steve. Build it up. Give me the music. Give it all. Yeah. Give it. Give us. Give us every yeah. little piece yeah. that you can. Yeah. Get ready. Are you ready for this, Steve? Yeah. Give us a line from John and Frank from They Live. Y'all ready for this? 
You better find yourself someplace to hide and keep praying nobody ever finds you. What a terrible pick. What a terrible I pick. Next it. category. Great pick. Next, the move I could pull off. Go. Here we go. I will ask Shay five things about his movie. He will ask me five things from my movie. Shay, would you like to start? I would like to ask you your questions first this time, yes. Would, would, sure. Your movie came out first, so we'll do you first. Jason, question number one. Move you could pull off from Anchorman. Could you fight a bear? No. Just fist fight I a mean, bear. I mean, I, I could fight it, but I would lose. I don't... How? No person could win in a fight against a bear. I guess you didn't see The Revenant because fucking Leonardo yeah, DiCaprio that was, won. That shit was tr- number one, CG, and number two, a trained bear. And that's why that was one of the most notoriously difficult shoots in recent memory. That bear was trained. You didn't see the edge then. Anthony Hopkins fought a bear and won. Wait, hold on. Was that the same bear, actually? Because it's always the same bear. Hold it might have been. Shout bear out that bear. The, of a bear? Yeah, the- it's like Bart the Bear. Bart the, Bart Bart the, Bart the Bear. Bart the Bear. He's Steve. in all these movies. He's in Legends of the Fall. He's in The Edge. He's in the 1988 French film The Bear. <laughs> what uh this motherfucker has had a real career. The Deedles, 12 Monkeys. Is he he's the one who Homeward got an Oscar Bound. nomination oh, no, or something? He died. Oh, that's not he him. He did die. Yeah, he died. Oh, Bart no. the Bear died. Steve, play some sad music for Bart the Bear. Rest in peace. Jesus. All right, what a, what a sad turn. What a sad, I was gonna ask if we could get a line from Bart the Bear, but Absolutely. now I think we got now I think we gotta we gotta play some sad, somber music. Jason, how okay, you you could not defeat an adult bear. Obviously, that's the case. He seems yeah, like that's eight, true. nine yeah. feet tall. The ultimate predator. They run faster than us. They climb faster than us. They swim faster than us. It's a fucking wrap. But yeah. how big of a bear could you fight? Like if you had to kill a bear with your hands, the biggest bear. Ooh, kill? Possible. Yeah, yeah. How big could that bear be? Well, listen, I, 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 I really want some time to research this if I'm going to do it seriously. But I think I would. it would have to be small. I'm talking cub. You know, like less than a year old, the size le- smaller than a child. How many pounds? How many pounds? Forty pounds. Fifty that, okay, pound that's, bear. That's a, that's about what I was gonna guess. I was gonna guess. Yeah, yeah. You you could take down a fifty pound bear because that's that's so. like a small pit bull at this point. I think it would you? still. F- it, I'd get hurt too, but oh, I absolutely. think I could kill it with my bare hands. Fifty pounds, absolutely. I think I could do it. How do you uh, how do you kill this bear with your with your hands? I get What's it in a strategy? I get in a fucking triangle choke. You just I get it in it? a fucking triangle choke like this. It doesn't know. It doesn't understand how to break out of that. It doesn't. It's never seen any cage matches. Doesn't, and I get it, it on its know. back, <laughs> and I fucking drop the choke on, and then I fall back with my full weight onto my back and then I wrap my legs around its lower body so that it can't curl up in a ball and then I just fucking choke the life out of it. When, uh, when I was a teacher, there was a brief period yeah. of my life where I took MMA classes. Oh, shit. We, we were like fighting and they're teaching you, okay, when they get you in this rear naked choke, yeah. the, fir- the first thing you're supposed to do is like turn your, your chin toward the crease of the elbow. Yeah. And they're like, just do that. And I'm like, all right, cool. And so the guy gets me in the choke and I do that. And it doesn't fucking help one single percent. And I'm like, guys, I thought this was going to save me. And they're like, oh, no, it doesn't. It just like prevents more serious injury or some shit like that. I'm like, fuck Fuck the MMA. No thanks. One thing I learned from martial arts, taking martial arts, is that all the shit looks incredible when you're just practicing it. But then as soon as you spar, none of it works. 
and you can't think of anything you ever learned. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the one thing I learned from martial arts from MMA is that I am not built for the martial arts <laughs> no. MMA world, like at all, at all. Okay, next question. Could you do, Jason, you work out a lot. I see you exercising all the time. Could you do a thousand curls? Ron Burgundy a does thousand? over a thousand. He does over a thousand curls. hundred percent, no. Veron no. How many, what's the most you could do? What is the weight? 15 pounds. <laughs> I, uh, Whatever number you say, we're going to ask that you do it on video for social media. I've only media. got 20s here. I'm sorry. Okay, but like, 20. Do 20. <laughs> I could probably do, I could do 15 to 20 reps in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of a 20? Without, without stopping. Without stopping? I could do that. But like a thousand, no, literally no one can do a thousand. <laughs> Ron Burgundy can do it. I don't know if you noticed he did a thousand. <laughs> he I, but he's, he's just, he's just got a lot more muscle mass than me. I mean, what can I say? Let me lob one up for you, Jason. Yeah. Ron Burgundy, he won five Emmys. Jason, could you win an Emmy? I could win one oh, Emmy. Oh, yes. Honestly, when yes. he talked about, when when Bill Curtis <laughs> did that narration that he won five daytime enemies, I was like, man, my, my Emmy feels less now. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> Ron Burgundy's out here getting them and getting them like five of them. What have I really done with my life? You got the one. Could you, could you sing Afternoon Delight by Starlight Vocal Band? More, let me rephrase the question. Will you sing Afternoon Delight by Starlight Vocal Band? Uh, I mean, I could sing it, but really the, the thing is, could you harm it? Could I sing it in, in a barbershop harmony style, like a pitch perfect acapella style? If I had the melody, if you give me the melody, I could sing it. If I if it's the harmony, I got to work on it for a little while. You got to let I got to get my ear to it because that's hard. Here's my question to you, Shay. OK, go watching this. When I was watching this last night, I wondered this. Did they do that in the room, you think? Or did they do it like in post? I think they definitely did it in post. It sounds too good, too crisp. That's, that's that was my thought as well, that it seemed too good. Yeah, that's that's my feeling as well. Jason, I'm, I'm looking in our little Zoom chat. There's a chat message from our producer, Steve. He's saying he could sing the song. He wants to sing it. I'd love to hear, Can it. We get, let's hear it. I really Steve, don't see that at all. Steve, let's anywhere. hear it. Come let's on in, Steve, a... Steve. Give us five seconds of afternoon delight. Let's go. Just let us hear it. <laughs> Skyrockets in flight, <laughs> afternoon delight. Afternoon delight. Yeah, yeah. Sing, sing it for us. Just you're sing really, it. You're, your, making, you're making me earn it this week, huh? In yeah. your best singing voice, we, we need <sighs> this, to hear this it. This thing that I definitely dropped in the chat. All right, sky rockets in flight. Never mind. Never All mind. Right. Let's get out. Wow. Let's get out of here. Wow. Is really that was worse than I thought it was gonna be. You look like you have a really soft voice, and that's <laughs> very. <laughs> that was very coarse in my ears. It's very abrasive. <laughs> I would like to move on. Next one. Tough notes. Jason. Last one. Could you? There's a part in here, Jason. There's yeah. a part in this movie where Ron Burgundy throws a burrito. And I was immediately brought back to your burrito bandito story. You've stolen the burrito. You're riding in your getaway car. Would you throw away a mostly uneaten burrito that you stole? Let me, let me put it this way. Uh, much in the same way that O.J. Simpson talks about uh, things. If <laughs> I had Come on. stolen the burrito. Yeah. You're asking me if I had stolen it. If you had. Could I then throw it accurately? I wouldn't know because I would never treat food that way. I respect food too much. And if I spent my hard-earned money on something that tastes good, I'm going to eat it. How about this? I'm going to eat the you whole thing. You, 
you just spent your hard-earned money on that Gulliver's, Gulliver's Travel movie that Jack Black <laughs> did. And then you saw Jack Black and you have a burrito. No, I wouldn't. Listen, Would I, you? It, we all miss. Everybody, like, we can't, they can't all be School of Rock. You know what I mean? They can't all be, <laughs> they can't all be great. And specifically with comedy, it's hard sometimes. Sometimes you just don't know if it's funny. You just literally don't know until it comes out and then people hopefully laugh at it. It just happens sometimes. I would not, I would not besmirch Jack Black in that way. I would not throw food at him. I respect him too much. Good, good, good. I just wanted to make sure. No, just wanted to make that. sure. We're pro, pro Jack Black. Big time. All right, give me mine. Give me mine. Moves I ready? could pull off. I'm ready. This is going to be terrible. Shay, in this movie, Arthur Fleck, we, we meet him. He is uh, dressed like a clown and he's on the street holding a big sign for a business. Could you be a street clown for a business? Oh, absolutely. I could be a street clown for a business. I have been a clown for most of my life. I imagine being... <laughs> I imagine I could like twist a sign around a little bit. Yeah, I could do that one. Easy start. Well, easy start. Let, let me ask you this. You talked about your construction job. I've talked about my various jobs on there. What's the mm -hmm. worst job you've ever had? Oh, the construction one. Fucking sucked. How long did you do it for? And what did you have to do? I, did, I have done construction, yes. I did it for two years. And it was miserable. All of the time. Not all of the time. 85% of the time, it was miserable. 15% of the time when I wasn't doing construction-y work. It's yeah. great. I love that part of it. That part was awesome. Just hanging out with a couple of my friends. Uh, that part was cool. But no, that was that was definitely the worst job I ever had. All the rest of them were just like regular. Like I work in the stock room at Abercrombie and Fitch type jobs. Yeah. But construction job where you got to be outside and you got to like, whatever. I have to know what flashing is all of a sudden. I hate flashing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have to, I have to like know, I have to be able to like measure baseboards and, oh, there's like a, a foundation issue and we have to like, I got to know all that shit. Like this, that job sucks. It was too hard. It was just too hard. It was too hard. Next. Could you do stand up comedy? I could not. I would get too nervous. I would get too nervous. Uh, it would probably go about as well as it did for Arthur. I think you do a little better than Arthur, but I but it's hard. I really enjoy stand-up comedy. I like watching it. It but Me too. to like get up there and like talk and make some jokes. The closest I've ever gotten to like really doing it uh was in when we first moved to Houston, like a buddy of mine and I, we went to like a comedy club and they have like an open mic and you can get up there for five minutes. And like we tried to do that, but it just got too nervous and I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I could not do it. Shout out to comedians though. Shout out to comedians. I don't know how they do it. Um, so in this movie, Arthur Fleck uh, goes to entertain kids. You worked with kids a lot as a teacher. Could you bring a gun, an illegal <laughs> gun, to an environment in which you are entertaining and or teaching children? <laughs> no, I could not do that one. I don't own a gun. So first I'd have to get a gun. But let's say a, a Glenn Flesher type character hands me a gun. Let's say we're we're in our meeting and Steve is like, here you go. It gets dangerous in the podcast <laughs> game. Take this unregistered gun. No, I couldn't. I I couldn't do it. I didn't even feel comfortable. Like I have like a pocket knife that I carry around sometimes. Yeah. I wouldn't even take that to like into the my car to drive to school because I get nervous the police are going to find it or some shit. So, no, I'm out. Could you bomb on live television? I that that one I could do. Yes, I feel confident in saying that. I would, it would, again, it would not go as bad as it did for Arthur. It would not end in a murder, but I could definitely get on there 
and not make uh, some good jokes and just be like a dud. And everyone's like, why did you invite this guy on here? I could, that, that could happen for sure. And then finally, uh, could you get in a fight on mass transit? Uh, no, because in Texas, the main mass transit that we have in San Antonio is just a bus. I yeah. don't think I'm going to get in a fight on a bus. For some reason, a train seems like that's a good place to get in a fight. But yeah, a bus packed in. Yeah, but a bus, I'm not going to get in a fight on a bus. Did you ever get in on a fight on a train and when you were in New York? I've gotten arguments on trains. Really? But I never, yeah. What were you arguing about? Uh, one time I was getting on the train and like this guy had his, I don't know if it was like a suit or what it was, but like hung from the top bar that people hang on. And it was kind of a packed train. So as I was going by it, I like brushed by it. And he was like, yo, what the fuck? And I was like, I'm sorry, excuse me. And then that, and then that was basically over. It was squashed. And then in New York, you see, you just see crazy, like you see people like taking shits on the train. One of the things you learn early as a New Yorker is if a train pulls up and it's like during the day or anywhere near rush hour and the car is empty, don't get on. Yeah. Do not get on because something bad has happened on it. <laughs> but I've never been in an actual physical fight. But, I, you know, you see, you just end up seeing normal. There's, I've seen rats on trains. You know, that kind of stuff. This is why I refuse to get on a train anytime I go to New York. I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to walk underground to get on this terrible, awful thing. I would love to see you get mad at somebody. I've never seen it. I've known you for several years. I would love to see you, like, get mad, yell. Well, he got mad at me. Point a finger. And then point I a finger. It. Next category? That, is it time? That's it. Next it category. Time? Here we go. Next category. Give it to us, Jason. It's time. Here it is. Here it is. This is it. This is the connection contest. You know it. You know what it is. There's no need to intro this anymore. Everybody listening knows what it is. Who can come up with Connections between these two movies without running out or missing. Shay, are you ready? Before we go, Steve, can you? Can, I need to. I need to be motivated. Can you play my Pursuit of Happiness clip? I need to recenter. <laughs> this part of my life, this little part, is called happiness. I'm doing this for Chris Gardner. Let's go, baby. You go first. <laughs> Both movies are set in the 1970s. Wait, are they? Yeah. I thought yeah. I thought Joker I was in the 80s. I love my chances already. <laughs> <laughs> both both mo <laughs> Both movies have guys in colorful suits. I'm in. Oh, that's good. I had both guys wear red suits, but yeah, that's yeah, yeah. good. Mm -hmm. Both movies have uh, street fights. Both movies have scenes where we see a man in his underwear. Ooh. In both movies, a main character commits a shocking murder. <laughs> Who does Ron Burgundy murder? No, but a brick, brick, brick kills the, the guy with trident. the trident. Okay, I think we're on shaky ground already. Oh. Shaky ground. Character. Come on, what are you talking about? He's not about? the main character. A main character. Yeah, come on. Both movies have scenes where a guy is in a phone booth. Not nearly as excited for mine as y'all are for Jason's, but sure. Sure. Both main characters love live television. <laughs> Both uh, movies have scenes where a guy imagines he's somewhere with a woman he likes, but uh, he's actually not in that place. 
I had both main characters have active fantasy lives. That's good. Both main characters are shattered by the loss of a loved one. I don't know who, who Baxter, did uh, yeah. the Baxter. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> Both movies have uh, guys who wear makeup for their jobs. Oh, that was good. I had that too. In both movies, the main character's boss chews them out, but reluctantly at first. <laughs> every I just want to point out that every time Jason tells me I have a good one, he immediately follows us up with I had that one too. I just want to. <laughs> <laughs> Both movies have scenes where someone watches the news on TV. Oh, good. Both, uh, in both <laughs> movies, the main characters have emotional breakdowns in public. Both movies have scenes where someone goes down a large set of stairs. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Happen it happens during a fight scene. Ben Stiller's fake Mexican does it. <laughs> both main characters love to dance. Both movies make use of the legacy of Frank Sinatra. I, they, they describe Ron Burgundy by saying he'd make Frank Sinatra look like a bum. And then we also have a Frank Sinatra song and Joker. Give it to me. Give I'll, me my D. Yeah, yeah, I'd let yeah, that go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. baby. <laughs> both, both main characters get fired. Both uh, movies, are the uh, they're named after the person it's about. The... <laughs> Give it to me. Give it to me. I'm staying alive. The yes, spirit yeah, of Chris yeah, yeah, Garner. Yeah, 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 yeah. The spirit of Chris yeah. Garner is guiding me. In both movies, the hero brings his love interest uh, to a nightclub to see him perform. Uh, why won't Wait. you just? Oh, buzz him, buzzer him, buzzer him. I don't know what? you. But... She's imagined. Wait, because she's imaginary. Yes, yeah, she's imaginary. Him, Steve, but like, buzzer still, him. he doesn't. In his Buzz mind, that she's happened. not there though. Buzzer on Steve. No, come on. No, do she's it. not there. For no. this, but this, do it. This is the pursuit of happiness. This part of my no, life. No, no, do no, it, no, Steve. no, no, no. Buzzer. Little part. Buzzer. It, buzzer. That's a buzzer. It's in his mind. No, it's not. Yes. That's ridiculous. Yes. Oh, what a tainted victory! But I will take it. Play the pursuit of happiness music. Holy shit. Steve, just play it. Just does not count. <laughs> I deny she's that not that there. is the case. She's not there. No, yes. but he does it in his mind. No, but I it didn't is, even... she's not there. He doesn't I didn't yes, bring... but it's real. <laughs> then none of the movie actually happens because it all happens in his head. It's real to him. Argue with him, Steve. Don't, don't back down, Steve. Don't back down. I'm not backing down. I'm He's not trying to Chris down. Paul you right now. That's Do insane. not let him Chris Paul you. Do not let him. Chris Paul, yeah, I right. was out. I'm absolutely next... right because the movie takes place <laughs> primarily in his mind. This little slice of life right here, this is happiness. Absolute yes. bullshit. <laughs> you know what my you know what my next one was because I had already run out. I was gonna say uh, both movies I had to pay to watch them on Amazon Prime. I was done. <laughs> I was toast. You were one away. I was toast. You were I one was away. Toast. God bless. Victory. Heavyweight champion. Wait, Steve, play my play my music. Play my uh, Eddie Guerrero. Yes, Steve. Live cheat still music. Let's go. <laughs> Next category. I'm good with it. This is the easiest category to explain. Also, the fastest. I love it. Jason, how do you feel about the state of bad television appearance movies? Would you watch more of them or are you good? Yes, of course I'd watch more of them. It's, oh, it's a great it. setup. I love it. I, I love, love it. I love the idea of people like subverting norms, especially on television. So yes, I'd watch more of these movies. What about you? 
Uh, 100%. I just really like when shit goes bad in front of a lot of people. Same. On screen, it's just so much fun to watch. I can't believe we didn't talk about it. Here's a good TV appearance. One of my favorite ones is in Gone Girl when, when Ben Affleck goes on the oh. interview. And he's so great. He's so good in that. Just really, really wonderful. Yeah, I, I love it. I want to see. I want to see it as much as possible. Just a fun little thing to have happen in a movie. Next category: special acknowledgments. This is the category in which uh, we talk about details from our movies that we liked and that we'd like to acknowledge further. Shay, what do you have? Rewatching this movie, rewatching Joker, I just was absolutely awestruck by how great the score is in this thing. Hilder, the composer, Gudenitor. I like had to Google how to say this this name. I hope I said it right. I'm trying to be respectful. What a great, great job. It's just such a big part of the movie. I don't think the movie is anywhere near as good without these touches that she puts puts in there. It's just perfect. Every single little part that comes in I just love it. He's going down the stairs and we've got the one song, the rock and roll song going and then it like transitions into the scary song and it like, it's all timed up to when he's doing his little kicks. Just great. That's my first It's really great. Outfit. Really muscular and it really like- Muscular, yes. Really muscular and makes you feel like a sense of dread. It is a great, great score. Love a, love a good movie score. This is gonna be like, if we, if we ever have like a score conversation, I'm always gonna mention this one and what is the other one? The Facebook movie? The Social Network. Those Social two, network. those two, I just, I just love them. Jason, do you have a special acknowledgement? Give me one. Yeah, I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with bloopers, bloopers in, in these, yeah. in these like, yes. Apatow era movies. They're just so entertaining and almost as entertaining. In some cases, like more entertaining than the movie on a second per second basis. Oh, for I sure. just love them. I just think for that they're sure. so fun, and they make. The production of these movies seem like the most fun thing that anyone can do in the world. I love watching them. I love watching the outtakes. I love watching the bloopers. I love it. My very favorite one is in, uh, what is it? This is 40. And there's like an outtake of Melissa McCarthy's character. And she's in like a parent-teacher conference with uh, the, the two main characters from the movie. And she's just fucking off the rails. And it is the funniest thing I've I. I don't know. I just go on YouTube and I watch it every once in a while. And she's just talking about how much she hates the principal. And like, she's going to like jack her feet back and kick the guy in the jaw. And it's just great. It's so, it's so fucking funny. Okay. The Talladega <laughs> Nights gag reel. Bloopers and gag reel, I think is, it's eight minutes of fucking genius. <laughs> and perhaps the funniest shit I've, I've, I've ever seen. I, I, I would urge anyone out there to watch it. It's so great. Wait, yeah. I got one more special acknowledgement for yes. me. I'll well, I, I do, I do it quickly. I'll do it quickly. 2019, fucking one of my favorite years for movies. Just so strong. Parasite, Booksmart, Marishori, Unca Gems, Hustlers, Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, John Wick 3, Ford vs. Ferrari, Last Black Man in San Francisco, Crawl, Dolomite is my name, Endgame, Terminator Dark Fate. Just fucking heater after heater. Heater after heater. I don't like the face that Steve made when I said Terminator Dark Fate. I think it belongs in the list. I think it's outstanding. It's fine. It's fine. It's not fine. It's not fine. It's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> Next category. Sorry. Next category. Oh, it's it, the Rodriguez. This is the Rodriguez, baby. Let's do the Rodriguez and then let's, let's get go. out of here. Every episode ends with the Rodriguez. Jason, you love Michelle Rodriguez. I love Michelle Rodriguez. Each week, we have to figure out how to connect our movie to Michelle in as few steps as possible. I already know the connection you're going to make. 
but go ahead I'm and do it. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do gonna that. You're not going to do it. So oh. Danny Trejo is in this movie. So that's the easy yes. one. Machete. Easy. It's the one you do. Easy. But in, 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 inspired by your performance in recent weeks, I'm going to take a more interesting route. And I have go two of them it. that are fun. Number one, Seth Rogen is an anchorman. He plays like a camera operator, part of the news crew. He also appears in the 2009 SNL skit, The Fast and the Bi-Curious. <laughs> what a pool. Which spoofs The what Fast and the Furious, what starring Michelle Rodriguez. Wow, okay. And my other one is, part of the plot of Anchorman involves uh, a oh, panda no. that's going to give birth. Michelle Rodriguez famously once dated uh, the actress and model Cara Delevingne. Cara Delevingne once famously walked down Hollywood Boulevard <laughs> dressed as a panda. All right. I mean, I don't know how to respond you can look to that any up. of that. You can look that up on YouTube. Cara Delevingne, panda, Hollywood Boulevard. It's out there. I, wow. I, be I, I believe you. I hey. believe you. Do what you do, what you do Jason. That's, uh, that's, that's impressive. Sidestepped a direct link with Danny Trejo. And Machete. So I'll do the same. I'll offer you the same courtesy. Robert De Niro yep. is in Joker. He's also in yep. Machete. I'm going to get him off the table. I had totally forgotten, and I don't know how I forgot this because I fucking love this character. Uh, Shea Wiggum. I Shea love Wiggum, Shea. Baby. He's in Joker. He also has a small part in Fast and the Furious 6. Direct, direct line between the two. There was no, there's no like birthing pandas or anything like that. But that's good. That's going to be my entry. <laughs> That's going to be my entry here, and I think we leave it up to Steve. Well, to as much as I appreciate both the quick connections from Shay, I do very much like the inspiration that Jason had from this odd SNL poll and a panda dressing. I think I'm going to have to give it to Jason this week. Yes! That sucks. <laughs> and I can see you. <laughs> that sucks. I, I was so excited. Are, when you, giving, I saw are you giving me guff after I... After when I, I saw after just, Shay... Yeah, I would like to take back um, all of the nice things that I said in the connection. I would also like to vacate the title. I do not want it anymore. Give, give it to Jason. No, come on. Give it to on. Jason. I, I refuse to take it. I reject it. Nobody it has will, taken the title. Nobody has the Steve, title you've, this week. So I'm just sat here. You've somehow ruined it for everybody. That's great. Great. Awesome. awesome. Shea Wiggum, I would just like to say, I also love Shea Wiggum. Shea Wiggum has resting cop face. <laughs> we should, he should be a connecting theme one week because he shows up in so much stuff that so I always forget stuff. about. I just, I, he's great. He's great. Jason, take us out of here. That's all for today. On behalf of myself, Shay, super producer, Steve Allman, and everyone at The Ringer, we hope you're staying safe and healthy. We're taking a two-week break. So join us again on September 30th when we will return with the theme of bad idea, but who cares? <laughs> and the movies, Fight Club and Jurassic World. Why did you give him these flowers? No, they're not real. It's magic. I'm trying to make Bruce smile. Well, it's not funny, is it? <laughs> Do I need to call the police? No, please. My mother's name is Penny. Penny Fleck. She used to work here years ago. <laughs> Can you please tell Mr. Wayne I need to see him? You are her son? Yeah, I... Did you know her? I know... Wait, sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> you're doing a terrible, it's, it's terrible sh- job. Yeah, I'm doing terrible. This is worse. This is worse than when yeah. you were singing. But go for it. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, did you know her? I know about two of them. She told me everything. <laughs> There's nothing to know. There is no them. Your mother was delusional. She was a sick woman. Don't say that. Just go before you make a fool of yourself. Thomas Wayne is my father! <laughs> 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 <laughs>